wait, wait, you haven't told me what to do. And in this movie here, A Perfect Day, uh, Rob Lowe knows he's going to die. You know, his number's up. Time is here. And he wants to know what to do. What do I do? What am I supposed to do? Hmm. He doesn't have much time left, so he's asking this question of this mysterious stranger. Hmm. Who is that guy? You know, it's a really interesting question. What am I supposed to do? But it's one that we all face, isn't it? You know, our number, all of us, you know, we're going we're gonna to face that, that, that final question. The, the ratio of birth to death, it's pretty much one to one. So what should we do? Good question. How should we live our lives knowing that our time on earth here is pretty limited? What kind of difference do we want to make? Hmm? What kind of impact do we want to have? You know, what kind of legacy do we want to leave? You know, and everybody, everybody has a legacy. It's inevitable. Think about it. When you're gone, how are people going to remember you? It's your legacy. How will they remember you? What are you going to do that will last is the real question. You know, some famous people have died recently. And I'm going to say their names. And I want you to think about what comes to your mind when I say their names. How about Michael Jackson? Farrah Fawcett, Walter Cronkite, J.D. Salinger. Okay, now what came to your mind when I, when I said those people's names? That's their legacy. That's, the sort of the, that's what's going to be re- remembered when you're gone. That would be their legacy. So, so just humor, here, humor me here for a minute. Imagine that you walk into the room here, into the auditorium, there's a funeral service going on, you know. And you sit towards the back, casket up here. Some people you know are walking by the casket. Some people are crying. And the pastor comes in, and he's seated. Some more times passed, very solemn, very solemn occasion. Finally, the pastor comes up and up here to the to the stage and motions for everybody to be seated and the family comes in or the person that died and you notice it's 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 your family and suddenly you realize you're attending your own funeral And what happens next is your family and friends are going to come up here and say something about you, and that is where you pay attention because you know the things that they're going to say. That's the things they remember about you. That is your legacy. So the question is, what kind of legacy will you leave? 
Today, as you heard, we're going to conclude the series that we've been in on Elijah. And Elijah was put in this same situation. He knew that he was going to die. Maybe that's, I I don't know how he knew, maybe that's part of being a prophet and knowing the things of God and speaking directly to him. Maybe you just know that you're going to die. But Elijah knew that he was going to at least leave this earth. How's that? So what can we learn about leaving a legacy from the last days of Elijah's life? That's what I want to talk about today. See, last week we left Elijah up on the mountain. He was... He was depressed and he was running from Jezebel who was trying to have him killed. But finally he did come out of the cave and he heard God speak, not in a wind, not in a hurricane, not in a volcanic eruption, not in fire that came down from the sky. But where did he hear him? He heard him in that small whisper. And in his last days, his 48, 24 hours, just his, his, his very end of his life, he takes his protege, Elisha, on a little tour. And I call it his legacy tour. So what he's doing here, he's, he's, he's taking Elisha to places that are important, that will remind Elisha of what's important, of what he wants him to remember, his legacy. Let's have a look. I'm going to read from Second Kings. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, it's a little long. I really recommend you bring your Bibles and, and, ring along, and, and read along. That way you can catch us if we're not, if we're not correct. Okay. <clears throat> when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elijah said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets at Bethel came out to Elijah and said, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elijah replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elisha said to him, Stay here, Elijah. The Lord sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As, soon, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. He replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water with it. The water divided, so the right to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. Now there's two things to notice here. A couple of things I just want to mention right off the bat. The first thing is, you are leaving a legacy right now. It's happening right now. Whether you like it or not, how you are going to be remembered, your legacy is being left. In our scripture, it said, but Elijah said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. 
Much like Elijah, he didn't want to miss anything. And much like that, the people that look up to you are watching you now. They don't want to miss anything. You're being watched all the time, aren't you? Especially the generation that's younger than you. Parents, am I right? I'm right, aren't I? They're watching you, learning, picking up things all the time, imitating you. See, they're doing, learning, imitating constantly. It reminds me of this story. When uh, I was helping, my wife and I, Mona, were were helping to build a church and uh, get a church started in South St. Louis County. And a couple wanted to have another wanted to have another child, and they were having a little bit of trouble, and the pastor offered to pray for him. And uh, his, you know, his son happened to be with him too. And so a couple came up after service and prayed for him. And, uh, his, you know, his son was there and watching everything, laid hands on him and, and prayed for him. And lo and behold, a few months later, uh, they were expecting a child. And when they finally, you know, felt, you know, it was time to make the announcement and everybody knew about it, I, I remember um, – watching this scene take place in the lobby of the church where this one lady was talking to another lady, did you hear about Sally? And the pastor's son happened to be there too and was part of this conversation, this little boy. Did you hear about Sally? Oh, praise God, she's pregnant. The pastor's son said, yeah, my dad did it. (laughs) Kids are always watching. Your legacy, whether you like it or not, is being built right now. People are listening, watching. So let me ask you another question. If somebody wants to be like you, is that a good thing? Is it? I hope so. Most of the time it is. The way you live your life today is what your legacy is all about. What are you leaving behind? At Faith Fellowship, We take the next generation pretty seriously. And I asked one of our leaders of our uh, middle school ministry to come on up and uh, join me today. Um, So would you please make welcome my friend, David Mitchell? Come on, Dave. I'll tell you a story about Dave. You see, I'm Dave Miller. He's Dave Mitchell. So, you know... A couple of Daves, there's, a, there's a, a Dave up there working the screens, a lot of Daves around here. And I, I happened to be out by the information desk, and I overheard this conversation where somebody came up to the information desk and said, I'm supposed to ask for Dave. And they said, well, you know, we got a lot of Daves. Well, it's, 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 it's Dave M. <laughs> well, we've, we've, got, we've got a couple of uh, Dave M's. Oh, it's, it's that Dave M that used to play guitar in the band. Well, they both used to play guitar in the band. And... She said, well, you know, the goofy-looking one. They said, oh, Dave Miller. Thanks for taking the bullet for me. I appreciate it. (laughs) That joke could have went either way. (laughs) Well, how's it going? I'm tired, but I've earned it. (laughs) I can imagine. And you've been been a volunteer here now for a number of years um, with the kids. How long have you been working with the kids here? Oh, probably going on three years now here. Yeah, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work. So uh, the, the middle schoolers, uh, every Sunday, uh, 
See, I'm, I've pulled him away from the middle schoolers, so he's not, he's not with them today, but he'll go, he'll go right back there. Um, what, do you, what, what do you do with him on Sundays? Um, right now we're going through, um, I'm, call, I'm calling it the Jesus Sessions. We've just been talking about Jesus since the beginning of the year, and we'll be finishing up next week in April. But uh, just kind of getting them a, a really strong idea of who Jesus is, what he did, why he did it. And just how important it is to know that. Now, you've been working with kids long before uh, you and your family ever came to Faith Fellowship, isn't that right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't it. Well, tell, a lot of people don't know your background. Why don't you, why don't you fill them in a little bit? Okay. I am a 1998 graduate of Lincoln Christian College um, with a degree in family counseling. Um, I, that year, I also went into youth ministry full time. I'm an ordained minister. Um, I was in Crown Point, Indiana for three and a half years, and I was also in Quincy, Illinois for three and a half years um, doing full-time youth ministry. And um, that's kind of where I've been, what I've done so up until he, now. Folks, he was, he was getting paid for what he's doing now, and now he's, he's pretty much doing it for free. You know? And that's really, that's really something. That shows a lot of passion. Why do you – I mean – why do you do what you do? Well, um, I have a heart for kids. I, my my mom told me when I was five years old I was going to be a minister, so um, she put the pressure on me real early. Anyway, <laughs> um, thanks, mom. <laughs> no, I do appreciate it though. Um, but I, I also have a heart for the church and. A lot of people say that our future is over in that little house right now, and sometimes I like to beg to differ that, that our present is over there right now. And so that, that's where the kids meet. There's not some time warp continuum over there. I just thought I'd clear that up. Sorry. Uh, anyway, <laughs> thanks for taking that bullet for me too. All right, um, but I, I I have a heart for them to to understand and know and love the Bible, which is why a lot of times I write my own stuff. Uh, for the for when when I teach them, um, but I also want them to know how valuable they are right now, and I want them to be prepared as they move on and move up in life that they are a valuable piece to this puzzle and that they can be used and that they are wanted in a place like this. And it, it, it's not just Sundays, is it? No, no, like. The reason why I said I was tired is we were um, in St. Louis this weekend for the Dare to Share conference, and and uh, sleep is almost non-existent on weekends when they cram stuff full um, for them to do. So uh, we we were there uh, getting them fired up to share their faith, to understand their faith, and and to uh, impact their schools, their communities, their wherever they happen to be. So. Yeah. And I, I can I can tell you from personal experience. I I, I just learned um, last night my my daughter's middle schooler, and uh, uh, she went to the Dare to Share thing, and over the weekend she led two of her friends to Christ. That's you know that's what it's all about, folks. That's that's leaving a legacy, folks. Let's give Dave a real big hand.
So you're being watched. Yes. And we, and we greet that we have somebody here that, that's helping us to leave our legacies with, with folks like that. The second thing I wanted to talk about, about this, about this scripture in Elisha and Elijah, is there will be distractions. You're being watched, and there will be distractions. Let's go back to our scripture. Um, Elisha and Elijah are going to Bethel, and, and then they're going to go to Jericho. And both times, the prophets in the area come up to Elisha, the protege, and they say, you know, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? And he says, yes, I know, but do not speak of it. Okay, this is a real nice translation, but let me, let me give you Dave's translation, okay? You see, these are a group of prophets coming to the number one prophet's protege who happens to be, is being trained by him personally, his, his protege. So they came up to him and they said that, and they, what they didn't think that Elisha would already know. So it's like, did you know that your master was going to be taken away? And his answer was, well, duh. Yes, I know. Shut up. <laughs> so he did know. So these guys were coming up to him, delivering the bad news. You know anybody like that? Guess what? An earthquake happened. You know, I mean, it's, you know, so you're like Debbie Downer on Saturday Night Live. Good. You know that one. Wah, 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 wah. You know, you have distractions like that. You know, so. Those people try to bring down all the people that are around them. So there's, and that's just one of many examples of stuff that can be distracted. You know, too often we get distracted like that. We get distracted by what the world thinks our legacy should be. You know, and what are some of those things that they think our legacy should be? It's the usual stuff. It's money. It's fame. It's power. It's material things. Those are the things that are a distraction. What do we want to leave behind? Well, you know, I want to be famous and I want to be in the encyclopedia and I want to, you know, lots of money and all that stuff. Well, let's, let's just see for a minute what we can learn from Elijah in his last few days about what's important. What does God think is important? And I think from the scripture that we've been going through, there's four things that we can garner that's important. You see, it's no coincidence that Elijah took Elisha to four different places. Even the order that he took them there is important. He was telling him, these are the things that I want you to remember. These are the things that are important. He went to Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, and the Jordan River. You see, all these places are really close to one another, 5, 10, 15 miles apart. And they're near where the Jordan River empties into the, into the Dead Sea. It's a uh, It's near the place where Jesus was baptized. And each symbolized a specific legacy that Elijah wanted to leave behind. And for us, these are the things that God wants us to leave behind as well. And the first of these is probably the most important, and it's know God. Back to our, you know, scriptures. See, the the, the first place that they went was Gilgal. Well, why Gilgal? Gilgal? It sounds like a place where mermaids come from. Gil, gal, eh. <laughs> Phooey. <laughs> 
But Gilgal, if you, if you go in your Bible and you, you know, you, you do a study on Gilgal, it's where everything, it's where it all started. You know, Gilgal, uh, is, it's a place where, uh, Joshua brought the children of Israel, uh, uh, when they crossed the Jordan. He marshaled all the troops there at Gilgal when they crossed the Jordan. And it's where the, it's where the circumcision took place that, that reestablished the covenant with God before they took the Holy Land. See, Israel, uh, the nation of Israel operated out of Gilgal for four years before they conquered Canaan and, and uh, took possession of the Holy Land. So when Elijah, when Elijah took Elisha to Gilgal, it was a reminder of him as his heritage that you're part of God's people. That's what he was saying. Remember this. Remember Gilgal? Remember the history here? See, but now we are God's people. This is, this is our heritage. Paul wrote it this way in Romans chapter 9. It is not the natural children, in other words, the Jewish nation, is not the natural children who are God's children, but is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. What's he saying there? Who is Israel? The children of the promise, those who put their trust in Christ. This is our first and most important legacy. Our time here is short. Eternity is forever. Do you believe that? Then what could be more important than that? Are you leaving that as a legacy? Can people tell that you're a Christian? Is that obvious in your life? Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 5. You, speaking to Christians, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before men. See, people should be able to tell that you're a Christian. And the other thing is, you should tell them you're a Christian. That's called witnessing, evangelism. And sometimes we get kind of a little bit nervous about that, about sharing our faith. But most people say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know the Bible enough to tell people about God. I really don't. What if they ask me a question? I don't know. Well, Peter wrote this in 1 Peter chapter 3. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Take a look at that. Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. It doesn't say be prepared to knock on a door at 7 o'clock in the morning and give your testimony. Wake people up. No. It says be prepared to give an answer for those who ask to give the reason for the hope that you have. See, the point is believe, but be prepared. Okay? Pass the legacy on, okay, you're not a Bible scholar, neither am I. But you got a testimony, right? When were you saved? How did it happen? How did it change your life? You don't need the Bible to answer those questions. That's how you be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have.
See, be prepared to take people on this journey like Elijah did with Elisha. Take them on that journey there to your spiritual roots like Elijah was doing. The second thing to pass on, uh, first, you're going to want to know God. And you want people around you to know God. The second thing is to pray. See, they went from Gilgal, Elijah and Elisha, to Bethel. And Bethel, translated, means house of God. It's, it's really rich with history. You know, it's, it's mentioned throughout the Bible. When Abraham was first called by God, okay, he was told to, to, to leave the land that he was in and go somewhere else. The first place he went was in the area around Bethel. And the first thing he did was he built an altar and he prayed. He prayed. When Jacob was running from his brother Esau, who was trying to kill them, it was in Bethel that he had a vision of angels going up and down a staircase to heaven while he was sleeping. And he got up, and what did he do? He built an altar, and he prayed. He prayed. It was a place of prayer. See, prayer is our direct link to God. And Elijah was a, was a man of prayer. He was a real man of prayer. He prayed all the time. You see, there's a city called Cherith. Remember in the story we heard a couple of sermons ago where he had to depend upon the ravens to feed him and bring him food. That was at Cherith. So what did Elijah do there? He built an altar and he prayed. And then again, you know, when... When he was dependent on the, on the poor widow to feed him, and she was getting ready to make her last loaf of bread with a little bit of flour that she had left at Zarephath. He had to depend on her. But the jar never went empty. Flour kept coming out of it. We learned about that as well. And he trusted God, he prayed. He built an altar and he prayed there as well. He was learning to pray and trust in God for answers throughout this whole thing. And he's telling his protege, pray, remember this. This is important. Know God and communicate with him. It was at these altars that he learned to trust God through prayer. Praying is that legacy that we need to leave behind. James wrote this about Elijah. And we've seen this scripture before. Elijah was a man just like us. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. See, he was just like us. This guy, he was just a guy. He was a dude. He prayed. God heard him. Well, I, I can say a lot about prayer, and, and, and that could be a whole series unto itself, but I want to give you two things about this prayer legacy real quick, and the first is this from First Thessalonians. Pray continuously. And if you look that word up in the Latin, you know what it means? It means pray continuously. <laughs> pray all the time. Pray about everything. Pray. It should be as easy as breathing. Pray, pray, pray. Not only will, will, will praying help you deal with your problems and give you insight, but it will also act as training to remind you to pray when the heat is on. 
You know, when times get tough, we, we need to remember to do that. It's a, it's a spiritual discipline. And sometimes we forget when things go bad to pray. Oh, yeah. You know, recently there was a man speeding out of control in the papers. You might have heard this. The guy was speeding out of control and he called 911 on his cell phone and he said, my car is speeding out of control. And what did, this, did the dispatcher say? Um, put the car in neutral and use your brake. When the heat was on, he couldn't remember. We forget about so, so, so praying, not only you, you, your prayers will get answered, but as you're praying, it also is training to remember when the times get tough, boom, right to prayer. All the way. So when the heat is on, some things the right thing to do doesn't register. It just doesn't happen. Second, yeah, we should be praying all the time, but also remember to set aside a special time for prayer where it's just you and God alone. You get alone with God. Matthew 6. This is, this is Christ talking. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So get alone with God. Speak to him. Listen to him. Learn to hear his voice. Pass that on as a legacy. So first, leave that legacy to know God. Second of all, leave that legacy of prayer. And third, prepare for battle. Okay, back to Elijah. You know, he was leaving his heritage. He was making sure that he understood all the important stuff. And they left Bethel and they went to Jericho. Jericho ring a bell to anybody? Remember the, you know, the battle of Jericho? You had the Sunday school songs about it and all that kind of stuff. And it's where a big battle of Jericho took place. And it's, and it's where Israel went, knowing that they were following the Lord, okay? And Joshua led them to a victory there at this place. So what was Elijah saying to Elisha there? He was saying, you're going to have some Jerichos. You know, it's not a bed of roses here. You know, he, he had that battle on Mount Carmel, remember? When he, when he battled with the with the prophets of Baal and the fire came down and he won, there was a battle and it was a life or death battle. Whoever lost that battle was going to lose their life and God came through. And he had a battle with Beersheba. See, Beersheba wanted him dead. It was just another battle. And, and over that one, he went, into a, he went into a big depression over that. You know, it was tough. The battle was eternal. You see, he was saying, Elisha, you're going to have some battles. He was preparing him for the battles. And the battles are going to be there, aren't they? We all know that. We're going to have some Jerichos. So what are your Jerichos right now? What's going on? Is it, is it depression with you? Is it financial? Is it physical health? All of those things. We're going to have some Jerichos. But we've been given the tools in the first two legacies. Know God and pray. See, by knowing God and being able to communicate with him, we can make it through these troubling times. Paul put it this way in Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. 
Present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, our legacies are to know God and to pray, to prepare for battle, to get us through it. And the fourth one, die to your own agenda. The last place that they went was the Jordan River, and they crossed over. Have you ever heard of that expression, crossing Jordan? It's more than just a TV series. It's where the TV series, it's, it's based on an expression. Crossing Jordan means to die. It's an expression that's been around a long time. You see, Elijah knew that when he crossed the Jordan, it was, it was time. So what was Elijah saying to Elisha? He says, you know, in your life, you're going to have to learn how to die to your own plans if you really want to follow God. You're going to have to die to yourself. He's saying, don't go through your life holding on to everything of this world. You know, keeping those things, those possessions. No, I don't want to let it go. Money, stuff. He's saying, hold it with an open hand. You know, you have to die to your own agenda if you're truly going to follow God's agenda. A death has to take place. Jesus said this way, John 12, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds, legacy. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. We've got to die to our own agenda. Throughout your whole life, even when Jesus was asked, hey, how do we pray? What did he say? It's part of the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not mine. Not my will. Lord, what you want. Dying to yourself. Dying to your own will. A legacy to leave behind. See, God has a perspective of everything that is, everything that was, everything that's going to be. We need to put it in his hands if we want our decisions and our path to be the one that he has for us. So the fourth legacy to leave behind is to die to your own agenda. Okay. So the tour is at an end. In his last 24 hours, Elijah took Elisha to Gilgal. Why? To remember him. No God. No God. And then he took him to Bethel. Remember Remember to pray. He took him to Jericho. Remember, remember that there's going to be battles. And finally, the Jordan River. It's a reminder that you've got to die to your own will. Those are the things when it came to the end of his life, this is what he wanted his protege to remember. So what's the goal of our legacy? Why do we want to leave a legacy? It's to have someone look at our life and say, I want to be like you. That person has led a life that I want mine to be like. Anybody going to say that about you when you're gone? I hope so. I hope so. 
Back to Elijah, 2 Kings 2.9. When they had crossed, Elijah has said to Elijah, Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? And he said, Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. What was he saying? Elijah said, Ask me for whatever you want. And what did Elijah say? He said, You know what? I want to be like you. Only more so. I've seen the way you've lived your life. You're a man of God. And I want to be like you. Isn't that the way we want to be remembered? We want people wanting to be like us. And at the end of his life, he and Elisha were walking together. And it, it's, it's such a touching scene. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. See, Elijah regarded Elijah like he would a father. Wanted to be like him. You know, no film could ever do that, the justice that it needs, you know. That, that, that chariot, that, that heavenly Harley took Elijah up to heaven. And there's Elijah saying, my father, my father. How many of you have seen the movie Shane? Seen the movie Shane? Oh, if you haven't seen the movie Shane, it's one of the best guy films of all time. There's a time, it's, it's, it's the movie Shane, and it's, it's at the end of the film, and, and, and there's a little boy, and uh, Alan Ladd uh, plays uh, a, a cowboy who does a whole bunch of good, and at the end of the movie, he's got to leave, he's got to get out of town, and the little boy's watching him leave, and Alan Ladd is riding off on his horse, and the little boy's like, Shane, Shane, come back, Shane. Oh, man, what a tearjerker it was. And it reminds me of this. My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. He knows he's going to miss him, but he knows he's going to see him again. And then what happens? He picks up, picks up Elijah's mantle, which is his cloak. He puts it on. Symbolizing that he's, he's carrying on for Elijah. He's picking up where he left off. It's the cloak that he struck and the water parted and they crossed the, the Jordan. You see, when a man or woman of God dies, the stuff of God doesn't die with them. It stays. It's the legacy. Their legacy lives on through the people that live with them, the people that work with them, their friends, their neighbors, their people that they know, the kids that they've worked with in middle school. It lives on. The legacy goes. And many of us, many of us have Elijahs in our lives. And some of you have been thinking about them, haven't you? The Elijahs in your life, the people, you know, the, the person who invited you here, the person who first exposed you to the church. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your, you know, you have Elijahs in your life. I've had a few Elijahs, and I'll share one with you because 
It's such a cool God story. And, and, well, I like to tell stories, so I'll tell it to you. It's, uh, when I was in college, I wasn't a, I wasn't a Christian until I was in, in college. And, frankly, the reason for that is because I, uh, I, I took a look around at the Christians around me, and, frankly, I didn't want to be like them, you know. They were kind of like not very fun, kind of like the Debbie Downers. And uh, so I was in college, and, th- and there, was this, there was this Bible study, and I knew a lot of people that, that went to it. One of, the, one of them was a guy named Ed Hammer, who, you know, he was in college. He was a year ahead of me and a year or two ahead of me. And, and he was a world-class athlete. He was, a, he was so much fun. Uh, he was great. And, and he invited me, and I, and I went, and, you know, I, I became a Christian. And um, so he was only there to mentor me for a very short while, just a few months. And then he was gone. Didn't see him again. Moved the clock ahead seven, maybe eight years. And again, my wife and I were helping to start a church in in, uh, South St. Louis County. Seven, eight years later. This is up there. I went to school up in Michigan, by the way. This is in South St. Louis County. In walks Ed Hammer, the guy, from my Bible study. Could have knocked me over with a feather. I look at him. I go, Ed! Looks at me, Dave, Dave M, right? No, I'm just kidding about that. I couldn't believe it. I saw him once again. Here was, here was one of my Elijahs. And when he knew me, you know, I was saved, but I, I, I think you can all relate to this. I wasn't all that saved yet. You know what I mean? Okay, you're with me. So he hadn't seen me since I, you know, really sold out and committed and you know, and, and all that. And we talked and stuff. The very next week, I was giving my very first sermon ever in front of people. And he came back and he saw me give this first sermon. And then two months later, he had been living in, in the same area I have for years. Two months later, moves back to Michigan, haven't seen him again. Unbelievable. The cool thing about that was, you see, Ed, he got to see a part of his legacy before he got on the chariot. Me, I got to say goodbye to Elijah before the chariot came. Cool, true story, absolutely true story. So, our legacies. Before you get on the Harley to heaven. See, that's the symbolism here. Did you all pick up on that? Chariot of fire, motorcycle? Okay. Before you get on that Harley to heaven, remember, remember your legacy. What are you going to leave behind? Know God. Pray. There are going to be tough times. Die to your own agenda. Let's pray. Lord, Thank you so much. Thank you so much that there have been Elijahs in our life that have brought us here. Lord, I would ask that you would give us the strength and power to be Elijahs in our own right, to identify those Elishas in our life that we want to mentor, that we can leave our legacy to, Lord. Father, I ask that you would help us and give us opportunities to help people know you. Lord, to pray with people. 
Father, I know there's going to be tough times and I ask that you would be with us in these tough times and help us to cling to you and get through these times. And I pray for your help during these hard times. And Lord, finally, I ask that you would help us to die to our own agenda. Father, help us to serve you, to do the things that you would have us do. Father, and I ask all this in your name. Amen.